Today, I'm going to continue on in our series. I'm actually going to finish it up, our series, where we've been talking about our 2024 soundtrack. I've loved uh, this concept uh, because I love movies and I love I love, what I love often about movies is the artistry that goes on uh, in, in the movie and the filmmaking. And a part of that our artistry is not just the script and it's not just the, the cinematography and it's not just good acting, but a really great movie always has a good soundtrack as well. There's a, there's a use of music and a song or songs that help move uh, the story along and uh, every great movie that you can think of, you, you most likely can think of a great soundtrack that went with that, went, went with that song. And I believe, and I just wanted to, I, I believe that in our lives, we have songs that we sing. We have, we have things that, that, stories that we tell ourselves. And as we moved into a new year, I thought it would be interesting to begin to think about the songs that we sing to ourselves, those, uh, those, those things that we tell ourselves to help us move through not just the high moments, but the low moments as well. And I, I think that as believers, there's a certain sense of responsibility that we all have to be conscious of the songs that we sing, the thoughts that we think, the ideas that we sit and we meditate on. And I thought as we begin a new year, it would be important for us uh, to take ownership of those things. Here's what we've lear learned so far during this series, healthy Healthy people are intentional about the tempo, timing, and terminology they allow to embed in their lives. I'm going to say that again. Healthy people are intentional about the tempo, timing, and terminology they allow to embed in their lives. What, what I have found, you know, saying this differently, what I have found is that when I am with unhealthy people or when I myself have been unhealthy in seasons of my life, typically I'm careless about the tempo, the timing, and the terminology in my life. I'm careful about, I'm care, and careless about the things that I sit and I think about. I'm careless about the things that I meditate on. I'm careless about the thoughts that I allow to, uh, to inundate my, my time or my energy. And, and the more that I move towards health, the more I move towards intentionality. Please don't raise your hand, but how many of you joined a gym in 2024? How's that going? How many of you started a new exercise routine or a new diet in 2024? Don't raise your hand. How's that going? How many of you, um, how many of you created a budget for 2024? How's that going? Intentionality leads to health. And intentionality starts with our thought life. It starts with our mind. It starts with our imagination. It starts with our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Many of us try to be intentional in our habits, but because we're not intentional in our mind, will, and emotions, oftentimes our habits fail. We create budgets for our finances because we want to get out of debt, but then we find ourselves spending so much time imagining the things that I don't have that I really want to have that before I know it, I'm violating my budget. We want to be healthy. 
But we spend so much time thinking about that chocolate cake. We spend so much time and energy. We allow our soul to drift into the place. And like, like a great soundtrack, and we've, we've learned this during this series, like a great soundtrack in a movie, the whole purpose of it is uh, to, to move you out of your prefrontal cortex, to move you out of that place of reason and that place of reason thought and, and move you into that, that part of your brain that is all about feeling and emotion. We spend so much time allowing ourselves to that, go to that place of feeling and emotion that we end up violating reason. We end up violating our best laid Plans, but a healthy person is intentional about their emotions. They're intentional about their soul. They're intentional about what they're doing with their soul. An unexamined soundtrack lulls you into a numbness that robs you of your identity. That's what we've learned so far in this series. An unexamined soundtrack lulls you into a numbness that robs you of your identity. I'm not, if you, if you weren't here last Sunday, I would encourage you to go uh, either on YouTube or go to our website and download the, the, the podcast. I talked a little more about the, the way they do this in a, uh, in the way music does this or a soundtrack uh, does this in a particular movie. The whole idea or the premise of it is, is to, to move you out of, to, into such a place of emotional triggering that you stop noticing the details like the, the, the non-continuity in a story, the fact that things don't really add up. Uh, you, we, we just accept things in superhero movies that, that don't make sense at all or, or we're watching our favorite love story and there's this whole you know, sequence of times that, that don't add up at all, but we just have bought so much into the emotion of the story that we stop questioning the reality of the story. I believe that a part of the work of the enemy in our life is to get us to a place of numbness where we just stop asking questions. We stop questioning the reality. In fact, I think, I think in 2023, 2024, if you don't understand that we're not li living in a warped reality, um, I believe that you absolutely are in a place of numbness. I mean, we are to a place where we 100% are not asking questions and are just accepting the craziest things and are just like, oh, yeah, that's what you're supposed to believe. That's just what you're supposed to think. We just line up and take it because that's what we're told to believe. That's what we're told to think. In fact, you look throughout human history and so much atrocity has happened in human history because people were brought to such a place of extreme emotion or they were worn down to such a place of broken emotion that they just accepted warped realities. I'm reading a book right now about the emperors of Rome. And it's, you know, we talk, you, you can talk about psyops and you can talk about all of these things that happen in the world and, and twisted media and all of these things and we can get so alarmed. But it's interesting when you go back and you read history that this, this type of thing to bring people to a place of triggered emotion, to be so emotional or so worn down that they just accepted bent reality and are just like went on with their lives. It's been going on throughout human history. That's how we've been controlled. In fact, if you read your Bible, what you understand is this exactly what the enemy does. The enemy's entire point is to twist truth. What did, what, did the, what did the serpent do when he came to Eve in the garden? 
did God really say that you couldn't? From the beginning, the whole point was to question truth and to cause you to start questioning truth. Did, did I, is that what I thought he said? Did he really say that? This whole process of gaslighting us has been, has been the process of deception in humanity, all meant to break us down into which reality is warped to such a way that we just start doing things that we never intended to do. Unfortunately, friend, unfortunately, many of us just go right along with it without ever asking questions. Well, last week we looked in the book of James. I think James... Um, does such a great job. It's such a relatable book to us in 2024 because James, the first book written in the New Testament, as far as we know, was writing to the early church that was being persecuted, and they were living in a completely chaotic world. Uh, their lives were absolutely uh, being destroyed by the Roman Empire. They were absolutely being destroyed by the religious Jewish leaders. These people were being hunted down and killed. They, were, they were, literally were prey in a game between these two great powers of culture that existed in that time. And, and yet, James writes this letter to us, and James doesn't go into a lot of theological nuance. And that's one of the things that I love about the book of James. He just kind of says it like it is. Some of you are like that. Like, like you just like to, you just like it, you just like things to be said the way they are, right? Don't play games with me. Don't, Paul, don't just kind of flowery make your arguments. Just, just say what you mean, man. Well, that's James. If you like that, then you would like the book of James. Now, sometimes that can get us in trouble because James is so straightforward that we're like, oh, there's got to be some nuance in this. James doesn't play. He just says it like it is. But it's important to understand that he's writing to people who are dealing with chaos. And that's why I believe there's, a, there's an urgency in the way that James writes. Because there's not, there's not the luxury of time to really think through nuance. These people didn't have time to think through nuance. And so in James chapter 1, he's writing to them and he's giving them some very clear instructions. And now understand, these people... These people were dealing with traitors all the time. There were people who were coming into this new found church community. And, and let's just put it this way. There were spies that were coming into the new church community and they were being betrayed. And there were also people who were dealing with so much pressure and stress uh, based on how they were being treated as Christians that even though maybe their heart was pure and they were at first trying to follow Jesus, they were, they were giving up. Uh, they were giving up the names of the community. And so there was all this violence going on. again. They were under tremendous pressure and stress. And so James is writing them and he's saying like, look, look this is how we can figure out who's really a Christian and who's, who's not really a Christian. We, gotta, we can't be playing games with this. If we're gonna be a community that's relying on one another, uh, then we really need to know who's for real and who's playing games. And so as we read in James chapter 1, he's kind of laying that out. I want to start with this thought. We're going to get into the second half of James chapter 1. And as we enter into the second half of James chapter 1, I want to start with this thought. I believe this is what we can learn from James as we enter into the second half of chapter 1. That the healthy person maintains their peace in a chaotic world through intentional neurocycling. What is neurocycling? Well, in neurocycling means this. Basically, your, your mind, you're constantly in a cycle. You're, you're reasoning or you're considering um, something. You're having feelings and emotions about that something. 
and then you're making a decision about what you're going to do. That's what's happening in your brain all of the time. There's a neuro cycle. You, you, you reason, you feel, and then you respond. Now, that neuro cycle can happen like any cycle. You can jump into that neuro cycle at any time. And a healthy neuro cycle starts with reasoning first, right? You take an input and you consider it. And that's what scripture teaches us to do, to consider. An unhealthy neuro cycle doesn't start with considering. An unhealthy neuro cycle starts with feeling. An immature, let's put it that way. Let's pick on the kids. We like to do that. Let's pick on the teenagers. An immature neurocycle starts with feeling. You feel something and you act, and then you have to think about the consequences of your action, right? Ah, oh, the kids do that. No. We, all, we, all do, we all do that. That's, that's unhealthy neurocycling. And, and if I want to control you, if I want to manipulate you, what I, what I want to do is I don't want you to start with reason. I want you to start with feeling. I want you to be triggered, the word, the word of 2022, 2023. I want you to be triggered because if I can get you in that place of being triggered, then here's the thing, and this is what, I, what we love about being triggered. When you trigger me, now I'm not responsible for how I respond. What a cop out. Oh my goodness. Let me join into the chorus of the enemy I'm not responsible for my actions because I'm triggered. I'm a victim. You triggered me. Unhealthy people are stuck in an unhealthy neurocycle. They start with their emotions, they respond, and then they're left to deal with the consequences. Well, the consequences has reinforced the emotion, so I must be right. Now I have confirmation bias in my life because I reacted based on my emotion, and since I reacted based on my emotion instead of reason, what I get is what my emotion said I was gonna have. And so therefore, it reinforces, it reinforces my emotions, which means that I'm right, which tells me that I'm that I should do that again, and so I stay in that cycle. I stay in that pattern. On the other hand, a healthy neurocycle starts with reason. It considers, and then once I've considered, obeyed scripture, I considered, then I allow my feelings to interact with what truth I've considered, and then I choose a course of action based on what I've considered and how those consider, considerations lay themselves out in the world. Let me read this to you because some of you don't believe me yet. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. James says, listen, there has to be a basis whereby consideration happens in your life and that basis has to be the word. It has to be truth. And once 
truth, once you've humbly accepted truth, then, then what you do is you reason. You're, you're quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You're quick to listen, you consider, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So you're slow to react and you're slow to feel or allow your feelings to, to interact with whatever it is that you're considering. Start with truth, reason about that truth, have a humility that allows you to listen, to consider, and then because you've started with truth and you've approached it through humility, you're listening, now you can allow your feelings in a healthy way to respond. We do the opposite. We promote the opposite. We promote response, reaction, triggering, let your emotions rule you, you do you, you be you, whatever feels good to you, whatever seems right to you, whatever seems right to you. James says, no, it's not what seems right to you, what is right according to God's word. The greatest lie in the world is that you just do what seems right to you. Scripture says that. That is the greatest lie in the world, that you do, you do what seems right to you. No, James says it starts with the word. And not just the word. I love this. It's a humble approach to the word. There have been times in my life where I've known the word, but I, I wasn't approaching the word with humility. I went to the word to argue. I went to the word to tell God how he was wrong. Or, or worse yet, I didn't do this. This was other people. I used the word to tell other people how they were wrong. I bastardized scripture and manipulated it so I could make other people seem like they were wrong. Their behavior, their activity, what they did was sinful and wrong. And I used it as a way of bashing or manipulating or controlling or putting them in their place. And James, James says, no, you approach the word with humility. You start with humility. Why is it necessary to start the word, to, to approach the word with humility? Because when I approach the word with humility, I'm approaching the word saying, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not here to exegete the word. The word is here to exegete me. The word is here to discover me, to examine me. The word is truth. And what the word is doing in my life is discerning between what is true and what is a lie. That's something really different. With humility toward the word, James says, why don't you start this way? Why don't you start with asking some questions? Why don't you, why don't you start with consideration? Why don't you start in the prefrontal cortex? Why don't you start in the place of your brain that reasons? How many of our relationships how many of our relationships are absolutely breaking down because we don't approach those relationships from the humility of starting with a question? We approach those relationships from the place of telling. 
One of the things that we do in our discipleship pathway courses that we teach is we teach the discipline of uh, when you have a conversation, timing yourself, time yourself when you're having a conversation. How much time are you talking and how much time is the other person talking? I dare you. I dare you. The people that you admire, the people that you care about, the people that you wanna learn from, or the people, the people who are the leaders in your life or whatever, a conversation that you have, how much time are you talking and how much time are they talking? And then my favorite thing, this probably never happens to you, don't you love it when someone asks you a question but it's really not a question at all? Don't you think blah, blah, blah. They're not asking me if I really think that. They're telling me what to think. Wouldn't it be better for you if you did blah, blah, blah? You didn't t you're not really wanting to know if it would be better for me if I did this, that, or the other. What you're doing is you're selling me or you're manipulating me or you're controlling me. A genuine question comes with a curiosity. It's considering you're absolutely required to have humility if you're going to ask a question. What James says is that you and I should stay in that place of humility. We should stay in that place of actual authentic inquiry. How often with God and with other people do we approach our relationships with actual, actual inquiry? But remember, a, a soundtrack of the enemy isn't there to, to cause us to ask questions. It isn't there to cause us to be curious. It's there to move us emotionally from reasoning. It's there to move us to just believe things because we feel them first. We must take control of the process, consideration, feeling, and choosing. We must take control of consideration, feeling, and choosing processes in our life. Instead of just feeling and doing, we have to take control of that cycle. We have to take control of that neuro cycle in our life. I'm responsible for it. You are responsible for it. It's not enough to say I'm triggered. It's not enough to say I'm a victim of trauma. It's not enough to say this has happened in my life and so I'm a product of that. Could those things be true? Absolutely, but a healthy and mature person moves out of that space and now says, I'm taking every thought captive. A mature and healthy person says, I'm taking every feeling captive. But Pastor Andy, you don't understand. I feel lonely. I may not understand. I may not understand your loneliness. But in 2024, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to allow that loneliness to define you? Are you going to be defined by the fact that you are a child of a living God who created you in his image and who loved you so much that he stepped across time and space and into your existence and paid a price that you could never pay because because he wanted relationship with you. Are you going to listen to the chorus of the enemy that tells you that you're alone in this world and that no one loves you and no one cares about you? Are you going to believe the truth that God loved you so much that he did for you what you could never do? 
Of course the enemy doesn't want to believe that you're, you to believe that you're loved. Of course the enemy doesn't want to believe that you have value and worth. Of course he wants you to be a product. Of course he wants you to be consumed. Of course he wants you to be degraded and have no, and, and have no pride or self-esteem. Of course he wants you to just go along and be used and abused because he hates you. And yet we sing these songs. We mindlessly hum along to songs that make us products. We mindlessly agree with marketing schemes and mindsets that tell us that we have no place, no value, no worth. We mindlessly agree with history that robbed us of our dignity. We mindlessly agree with those who just continue to stoke the fire of separation and anger and rage that causes us to feel small and insignificant. James, continuing in verses 22 to 25, says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at a face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Probably because he's got filters on his Instagram. And none of us have any idea what he looks like. Can we make 2024 the year of no filters? You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Dear sister, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Why do you keep agreeing with a stinking system that tells you you're not? Why do you keep clicking and liking and participating? Why do you keep buying the albums and streaming the songs that make you a product? You are not. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. By the way, any man, any man who that's not what he wants, it's not what you need. Because he ain't real himself either. I don't know why we participate. I I don't understand it. Why do we do it? Mindlessly, we just hum along to this tune that agrees that we're a product. I'm not telling you to not take care of yourself. I'm not telling you to not take care of yourself, but I'm telling you that something that causes you to present a version of yourself that isn't real, how can that possibly be healthy? How can it possibly see something that we as believers just go along with? Anyone who listens, I just got to get back in there. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, 
not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James, again, just cutting to the chase. He makes it really, really clear. Oh, pastor, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. James makes it clear how to be blessed. Self-deception is the willful choice to align oneself with a reality that is not founded in truth. You will not be blessed. You will not live blessed as long as you are living in self-deception. Please write it down. I've told you this book before. It's called Leadership and Self-Deception. Write it down. One of the best books I've ever read in my life. Leadership and Self-Deception. You can find it online. If you want to change your life, read that book. Most of us struggle because we live in self-deception. And here's the thing. We want to blame everybody and everything else. And James cuts to the chase. Yes, we have an enemy. These people are being persecuted. But James says, your greatest enemy is you. Your greatest enemy is your willful choice to believe a lie over and over and over again. Your willful choice to participate in a system that enslaves you. Your willful choice to keep choosing to do the same things over and over again, even though you know what the outcomes are because they do not align with truth. James says you got to cut out the self-deception in your life got to stop playing the game. Stop doing the same things over and over and over again that get you the same results. Verse 26 and 27 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Again, James isn't playing games. He makes it clear, output does not lie. Output does not lie. Companies can cook the books for a long time, but eventually we're all gonna find out. Why? Output doesn't lie. Eventually, you're going to know. The auditors can play games all they want to. Eventually, you're going to know. Governments can do what they want. Eventually, you're going to know. James said, how do you know? I'll tell you how you know. Start with a question. Talk to them. Listen. You get somebody talking, eventually you're going to know. Eventually you're going to know. Jesus said, out of, out of uh, heart, that mouth speaks. Proverbs talks about it. Listen, out of the mouth of a righteous good person is good things. Out of a mouth of a wicked person is wicked things. Just get somebody talking. You're gonna know. James said, listen, this is how we know. And remember, there's, there's mystery, there's intrigue. These guys are being betrayed. There's people infiltrating the church, selling them out. So in this threatened church community, they're trying to figure out 
How do we know who are really Christians and not really Christians? James saying, playing no games. He says, it's simple. They just listen to them talk. Ultimately, they're going to tell you what they believe. They're going to tell you what their truth is. Outputs don't lie. Just get them talking. Just ask. That's why he said earlier, start with questions. I don't know who to date, Pastor Andy. I don't know what they really believe about God. Have a conversation with them about God. They'll tell you exactly what they believe. Some of you, the problem is that they haven't told you what they believe. You just, you just think they're cute. <laughs> and you've let some other part of the brain <laughs> interpret what that front part of the brain has made abundantly clear. They're not no Jesus follower. And there's no such thing as missionary dating, by the way. The Bible is very clear about being unequally yoked. Abundantly clear. Abundantly clear. Oh, but he's such a good guy. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's sinful. And vile. And there is no good in him. She is wicked. She is broken. There is no good in her. Lest Christ be in her. Oh, but he's so good to me. Of course he is. This stuff isn't even in my notes. <laughs> Somebody came for a word from the Lord today. And it's not even in my notes. Listen, here's, here's the thing. James makes it clear. Just get them talking. Talk, talk. You want to know what someone believes about finances? Get them talking about finances. You'll find out if they're following God's word or related to finances or if they're living the lie. You want to know what they believe about family and life and the future? Just get them talking. Just get them talking. James says, outputs tell you everything. That's why he used the tongue as an example, because the tongue is the hardest thing for us to, over a long period of time, to control. Eventually, eventually our mouth is always going to give our heart away. That's what Jesus said. James said, listen, the way you really know if it's real with somebody, just spend some time talking to them. And if you spend time talking to them and they're full of hate, guess what? Hatefulness is going to come out of their mouth. If they're full of hate, I guarantee you, you get them talking very long and they're going to start criticizing you or somebody else. If they're insecure or broken, you're going to find out after not very long because they're going to start making somebody else seem small so they feel big. It doesn't take very long of having a conversation. Just get them talking. Outputs don't lie. James said, let me tell you another way. Outputs don't lie. Here's the thing. If your faith is really real, then you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to serve other people. Stop calling yourself a Christian if you're not serving others. Because you're not following Jesus. James said, listen, if you're really following in Jesus' footsteps, you can't help it. But look at others who have a need 
And you have to get involved in helping physically meet that need. Somehow, some way. That's pure religion. Pure religion means that I can't see a world that is broken pass by people who are dealing with brokenness and not do anything about it. I have to serve. I have to respond. What did Jesus do? Jesus looked at broken humanity and he had to engage. He had to engage. People with a pure religion, people with understanding James's words, people who really are in the kingdom have to engage brokenness. Why? Because outputs don't lie. If the kingdom has been input inside of you, then the truth is that it's going to come out. And where is it going to express itself? James says the first place it's going to express itself is in the brokenness and pain of somebody else. You just can't walk by and not do anything about it. It's the theme song of your life and my life in 2024 about me getting mine. Or is it about how do we, how do we bring justice, peace, life, and hope to others who don't have? James calls it out. He said, listen, you believers in this chaotic world, Pure religion. It's not about virtue signaling. It's not about pretending you believe something or you think something or you feel something. It's about really what are the outputs of your life? Really what's going on? It's going to come out of you. What you really believe you're going to sing. It's the story you're going to tell yourself. It's a story you're going to tell others.